0: Now, you'll see that my, uh, my, the title of the talk is uh, The Woke, The Disinherited, and The Dark Walkers. Uh, better explain these things. I'm, I'm, I'm going to talk about the woke being not uh, this political grouping or the name given to a certain people in, in our society today. But the woke people are the people that are woken up by Christ. <laughs> uh, secondly, I'm going to be talking about the disinherited people. That is, the people that will not inherit the kingdom of God... And the third thing I'm going to be looking at is the fact that many of us as Christians are dark walkers. Walk in the dark. As uh, in, you know, uh, John refers to people who walk in the dark and he says, if we, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus' His Son cleanses us from all sins. Now, the first thing I want just to point out is every one of us, I'm sure, know that we do need to be fully fully awake in our christian lives and more awake perhaps than we are now i'm a terribly dozy person first thing in the morning if i'm if i don't get a good sleep or if i'm woken up in the middle of you know the sleep pattern that we have and i'm you know it takes me 2 hours before i'm fully awake and even then you know some people may say i'm dozy most of the day <laughs> but the thing is spiritually the oldest of the christians the newest convert we all know that we could be more awake, more alive with Christ. And uh, some people might have been, make me off put that I'm using woke, you know, in the, in the sermon title. But I, it's perfectly legitimate to use a word that is used, and a good old English word that's used in Scripture. And we don't have to worry uh, if people have political sensibilities for me using it. After all, it says in Acts 12, verse 7, And behold, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared, and a light shone in the cell, and he struck Peter's side and woke him up, saying, get up quickly, and his chains fell off his hands, and of course, well, that's almost a picture, isn't it, of us becoming Christians, we're, we're not woke by an angel, we're woke by Jesus, and oh, what a wonderful thing that, that will be one day, when we die, and we wake up, we're woke by Jesus in heaven, we're, we, uh, we uh, instantly are here, and then the next second, we're... We we, we woke up out of this world which is really a a sleepy world, a dozy world. We're not conscious of the glories of heaven. And suddenly we're in the the kingdom of God. How wonderful that will be. And uh, and of course this is also true when someone first becomes a Christian. That uh, they're woken up. Their chains fell off. Their heart is free. I rose, went forth and followed thee. And notice that in the hymn we sung this morning, the, the modernizers of the hymn left out the word free and <laughs> my heart was true but actually the the words of Wesley were you know my my chains fell off my heart was free I rose went forth and followed thee and that is um you know the state that we need to be in as Christians but Paul now is dealing with a particular problem that is keeping Christians in a sleepy state we might say uh, not a proper state an unholy state and he has to address it, which is the one-off sex. Sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness, covetousness must not even be named among you. He says that in verse, verse 3. But he goes on to detail it in verse, uh, in verse 5. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure, who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance of the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience now he warns them not to be deceived with empty words because the truth is uh, the problem of of sex and our attitude to sex and our, our consciousness of sex is that we live in a society that has an ideology of impurity and what do I mean by that I mean we're talking here about Ideas that go against the Christian revelation of how we are to live, which subvert us, which corrupt us, which make us less than we should be in being pure before our God. We are deceived by the empty words of contemporary philosophy, contemporary political and social ideas. Paul says in Colossians 2 verse 8, and remember when he wrote Ephesians and Colossians, he seems to have written them in the same period of time, roughly the same rough area and he says in Colossians 2.8 see to no one takes you captive through philosophy an empty deception according to the traditions of men according to the elementary principles of the world rather than according to Christ he had in mind there a, 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 a Gnostic um, cult that were placing the emphasis upon uh, all kinds of, of rules and regulations and, and indeed they may, they may very well have ...have agreed with uh, Paul in condemning impurity. But the the thing is the same. Whether it's self-righteousness that the world leads people into... ...or whether it is impure depravity... ...it's the same coming from the same demonic source... ...the same devilish source. The world, the flesh and the devil together unite... ...to produce ideas that fill our minds... ...that turn us away from God. And we need to wake up, you know... ...if you haven't already... To the fact that purity of mind is not just a question of, of uh, you know keeping ourselves uh, keeping ourselves clear of uh, impure uh, things from our eyes, but we need to actually wake up and look into our hearts and see what is what, why are we living the way we do why do we think the way we do is our Measure of what is right and wrong, the Bible. Are we meditating upon the word night and day, and being guided by it in the way we react? Now, the hidden gurus, the hidden teachers of modern sociology, modern thinking, are people like um, Freud. You know, and I've mentioned this before in a summer, but I actually think it's worth reiterating. Why is it that it was a transition from the 19th century when it was taken for granted? that the Ten Commandments were right and people still broke them people still went with prostitutes they still were impure but actually they were aware that yes they felt guilty many people felt guilty even though they didn't become Christians they were aware there was an absolute standard that people should be living by what changed it? well one of them was Freud the psychiatrist who basically taught that human beings could never get away from the fact they were motivated by sex and therefore it was okay of course uh, he, he claimed that all kinds of dreams which most of us would say were, were completely innocent dreams were actually had a secret code in them that really showed that, that it was all about sex and sexual desires and he said these absurdities that, that children want to uh, marry their, uh, their, their mothers or, or, or uh, you know, daughters their fathers and so on and so forth the Edith books are complex and so on but all of the intellectuals of, of 100 years ago were captivated by this not realising that Freud himself had a cocaine problem and that uh, he, uh, in, when he was prescribing cocaine to his patients he was also himself taking it constantly. And, of course, cocaine leads to a morbid um, you know, uh, obsession with sex. Um, and, of course, the people today of course, also don't realise that Freud was homophobic. <laughs> Freud said that homosexuality was a was a deviance, was a perversion, was something that that was a a mental illness. Of course, modern sociologists tend to, you know, they they don't want to mention that. They will mention that Christians are homophobic, not one of their, their, their gurus that they follow. Marx. Religion is the opium of the people. How many people think religion is totally irrelevant? They come up, yeah, oh, well, there's no point, even if it, they just cause wars and they this, that, and the other, and it's just your own, your, own feel, your own feelings and so on. It's your own drug that you take to get through a difficult world. Well, of course, Karl Marx was a racist, he was an anti Semitic. He was he was radically anti-Semitic. Although in fact he had he had Jewish blood in him, but he, he completely, you know, forswore that and came out with anti-Semitic comment, anti-Semitic comic about the, the Jews. And he was a racist against Africans too. He actually thought that uh, uh, he thought black people were were subhumans. And one of his political opponents, he said he looks like he, he looks like he's a negroid. Didn't use the actual N word, but a Sem- he used it as an insult. And yet, of course, these same people, these same Marxists, are joining in with Black Lives Matter and all of these other things, even though the person who invented Marxism was a racist. And furthermore, we can see that the result of Marxism has been mass killings in, all over the world. I mean, 100 million people altogether at least uh, have been killed as a result of Marxist, of Marx, Marxist politics. I could go on I, I really you know but I, I just want to just want to point out that there are empty ideas that are become popular, mold people 's minds, but ultimately what they do is they turn people away from Christ so they don't allow his light and love to shine upon them. it could be uh, women 's liberation, which by the way I think did uh, you know a, a um, actually a, a very good job uh, in some respects and someone like Germaine Greer um, who wrote a book called The Female Eunuch I read it when it first came out um, I disagreed with large parts of it and it was radically anti-christian in so many ways but actually she was and is a courageous lady who fought for the rights of women and now transgender people are turning on her and throwing abuse at her and cancelling her and refusing to allow her to speak in, in universities because she they accuse her of being a transgender exclusionary radical feminist, a TERF. In other words, she, she says a woman is a biological woman. There's no such thing as a woman who was a biological man. It was a biological man, no such thing. And of course uh, the, the irony is that in turning against Christianity, in despising the word of God, she finds herself now being attacked by the very same people she actually has helped to engender. And uh, these empty words, these empty philosophies, as what Paul is is saying, don't get taken in by empty words, verse 6, let no one deceive you with empty words, because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. You see, the empty words, the empty ideologies, the empty philosophies of this world are actually hiding from people the reality of the judgment of God which will one day come down like a hammer upon those who live an unholy and an impure life. And uh, he said already in verse, if we look in verse um, 5, he says, uh, you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Now Paul here doesn't feel the need to go into subdivisions of what an impure man or an impure woman is. He does in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, you needn't look it up but I'll read it, where he actually gives us a few more categories of impurity. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Now, the fornicators, people have sex outside of marriage nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor the covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And the Bible lays down these hard lines and hard truths, but I want you to notice this, (laughs) that it doesn't stop with the condemnation. This passage goes on to talk about the wonderful joy that people like us, because I find myself on that list in some shape or form, it says this, such were some of you. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the spirit of God. You see, Paul doesn't single out, for instance, homosexualities on this list. As being worse than any of those other sins, it just doesn't, you know. Uh, he, he, you know, he 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 says that all of these different ways in which we break the Ten Commandments—swindling, lying, thieves, uh, adultery, fornication, covetousness—all of these things, all of these things, disinherit us from the kingdom of God. But there's hope for all of us. Now, oh is not what I've just been saying, homophobic. Now, I would like to say that it is a scriptural truth that we should respect people who are homosexuals and sisters. That doesn't mean we don't tell them that their sins will cause them to dwell in hell forever. But we are to respect them as human beings and love them and and affectionately care for them. Um, Paul spoke with respect a pagan adulterer in Acts 26 verse 2. We've got King Agrippa and Paul. what does Paul say to him? And Paul wasn't just sweet talking him, flattering him. What does he say? He says, I consider myself fortunate that it is before you King Agrippa that I'm going to make my defense today against all the ac- accusations of the Jews. Especially because you're familiar with all the customs and controversies of the Jews. Therefore I beg you to listen to me patiently. He starts his speech and he shows great deference to this man. Now this man was a, a pretty awful, adulterous person. First, Was currently in a relationship with a woman that he'd stolen off another person. Now, and yet, Paul was able to offer him respect and deference for what was good in him. And of course, that's, that's what the, you know, the Bible tells us, that none of us, are, very few of us are as bad as we could be. And the Lord in his grace is, makes it possible for people that have, are, are in bad habits, whether it be impurity or covetousness or, or anger or bitterness, may still have other things that show the image of God, courage and, and uh, truthfulness and integrity in lots of areas of their lives. And in this case, Paul showed respect to this man, though he was an adulterer. And he showed, showed more than respect. Later on, later on, after Paul had finished his speech, Agrippa said to Paul, In a short time, you want to persuade me to become a Christian? And Paul said, Whether it's short or long, I would to God that not only you, but also all who hear me this day might become such as I am, apart from these chains. Everybody, that fornicator over there, that Roman soldier, goes to a brothel uh, a few nights a week. That, that drunkard uh, over there that's listening... That hypocrite, that hypocritical religious person who actually claims uh, to, uh, to follow the laws of God but his mind is a full of, of adulterous thoughts. Uh, the women that were, I don't think we had many women outside the court apart from, I think, the, uh, the wife of Agrippa. Um, but he wanted all of them to be saved. Uh, like uh, um, Henry was mentioning this morning, the love of Christ controlled him. So, no, I don't think I'm being homophobic. I'm actually simply talking, as the Bible does, about the truth. In 1 Timothy 1 9, uh, Paul again lays down the truth. 1 Timothy 1 9, understanding this, that the law is not laid down for the just, but for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly and sinners, for the unholy and profane, for those who strike their fathers and mothers, for murderers. The sexually immoral, men who practice homosexuality, slave traders, liars, perjurers, and whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine. So the, this, this ridiculous um, label that is given to those of us who are Christians who simply repeat the words of the Bible that we are homophobic, it's, it's, a, it's a ludicrous accusation because all we are doing is being faithful to the text of the Bible. Now, of course, the time may come when they may want to burn the Bibles as well. They did burn the Bibles um, not that long ago in this country. Uh, in this country, four hundred or so years ago, um, they burnt Bibles, and maybe one day they will do the same. But let us, while we are alive, let us lovingly and respectfully, and tenderly, and kindly, and perseveringly talk to our homosexual friends about uh, their need of turning to Christ. Uh, now, forgive me for giving a, a personal anecdote, but I, I actually, I do, and I've actually, I think, referred to this before, but I, I do want to um, to mention the fact that when I was uh, a, a sixth woman, I had a, a homosexual teacher. He was an English teacher. Now, I was thinking about that this afternoon. It's really interesting. Nearly every other teacher in the school had an insulting nickname. There was Rhino Reese. There was Piggy. There was... Uh, well, there were all kinds of insulting names. But you know what we called him? McElroy. That was his last name. Why? He was a superb teacher. He was a kind teacher. He was a just teacher. And uh, he inspired us with a love of English literature. I, I was doing A-level English literature. And in fact, he also he put on plays and he directed pl- plays. And these were in the days when uh, supposedly homosexuals were persecuted but he wasn't persecuted in the school I went to, an ordinary lower middle class grammar school Um, everybody knew he was homosexual he had even had his homosexual partner uh, uh, as one of the staff in the English department and yet we had a a great relationship with Mr. McElroy and I met him uh, um, some years later when I first started teaching and he was still of such a nice guy, and we need to understand that someone may have a sin problem, but they actually there are other qualities that we have to appreciate in them, and we're certainly not to be homophobic. Although actually, homophobic means scared of the same. Scared of it's a nonsensical expression. It doesn't make any sense actually. But we certainly should not hate homosexual people for being homosexual people. And uh, uh, I want to uh, though point out that although that is these things are all true, we are to be prepared to tell the people that we love, our homosexual friends, relatives, that they are in great danger. No immoral person or covetous man who is an adulterer has an inheritance in the kingdom of God and of Christ and God. But I want, I want, again, to I, I, I mention about homosexuality because it's one form of impurity, and only one form of impurity. What, what, does it, what, what does the idea of impurity come from? It's talking about our mental appetites for the impure. So a heterosexual who's got an appetite for pornography, he's impure. He's in exactly the same category of homosexual. No better, no worse. You might say they're bad as one another, but there's certainly not not in any sense uh, we're talking about any difference. Uh, The man who lives with his uh, girlfriend, fornicator, put in the same category, as indeed the adulterer. Um, uh, The the truth is that there's even more depraved and disgusting appetites, but, but Paul says it's best not to talk about those things. But... Impurity is something that, it, it, it's made clear in the Bible, is related to our spiritual condition. It's not just, oh, we've been brought up to be, you know, impure We are the lads and all this. No, it's something to do with a deeply spiritual state of our heart. It goes back to, goes back, of course, to the, the creation of man. Turn over now to Romans for a second, please. A passage in which uh, Paul deals not just with homosexuality, but with the nature of impurity. And he says in in Romans chapter 1 and verse 22, he says, um, claiming to be wise, they became fools. This is talking about the Gentile philosophers and the Gentile intellectuals, the Romans and so on. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. They claimed to be the wise men of the world, the men up astride of the planet, of being the ones who, you know, controlled, uh, you know, controlled nations, and so on. But actually, they were worshiping the stupid statues of animals. And God, uh, rather than giving thanks to God, rather than giving thanks to God, they actually. Um, Became futile in their thinking, verse twenty-one. Although they knew God, they didn't honour Him as God or give thanks to Him. But they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools, changed the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, now I, I'm, uh, the New International, uh, sorry, the English Standard Version says, therefore God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts. the, the American Standard, I think, is much better. Because it, it's more literal, God gave them over in that, to the lusts of the heart, their hearts. Now, the reason I say that is this: God gave them up might imply, well, that's the end of it. God's giving them up; they're off to hell. That's not what Paul is, is saying. He's talking here about the process by which people become impure, become uh, enslaved to sex, become homosexuals, or become uh, the other list have the other list of of uh, vices that that he mentions and it's an extensive list it's because God gives them over to it for a time he doesn't give them up to it forever to leave them like that at least not those who he actually calls to himself therefore God gave them over to the lust of their hearts to impurity to dishonouring of their bodies amongst themselves because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and so he gives them over to fornication heterosexual sexual impurity um, but they carried on. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie. This is verse uh, 25. And serve the creature rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. And for this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. For their women exchanged natural relations, and so they crossed a boundary from impurity of an addiction to sex, fornication, pornography, adultery. They crossed the boundary, um, but still going in the same directory. Because they're still on the same path, whether you're a heterosexual impure person or a homosexual impure person, you're still on the same path of impurity. And they um, enter uh, homosexual relationships, lesbian relationships, and so on. And on that trajectory, we then find further destructive, um, self-centered ways in their personality coming out. And in some ways you'd say as as it's detailed, heterosexual sex, homosexual sex, and then these other things. And what are these other things? Verse 28, since they didn't see fit to acknowledge God, God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all kinds of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit. Maliciousness, they're gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil. Now, uh, if you get what, where I'm going, uh, homosexual people, like adulterers, have a lot of noble things and good things about them. It, it's actually as, as they get, though, they go further and further away into into their sins that these things come about. Um, you know, I think most of the worst. Mass murderers have all been heterosexuals, as far as I know. Hitler, Stalin, Mao Zedong, they were all heterosexuals. But they were filled with all of these things, weren't they? They were filled with malice, envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. And uh, so here the Bible tells us that the impurity starts with, 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 uh, within our heart. But ultimately, it starts, of course, with the first man and the first woman. What happened in the garden? Adam was created with Eve in this beautiful environment. What happens? We're told that Satan, taking the form of a serpent, suggests to them that if they take of the knowledge of the tree of good and evil, they will be like God. God. Now, I want us to notice this. When, when God made Adam and Eve, he didn't make Adam and Eve just to be two people living together. Well, we might say two people fused into one. But, but actually, he meant them to be three people living together. A trinity. And what, what do I mean? Well, the destiny of Adam and Eve was to be a man and a woman together with a living God living in the presence of God, living in their heart, within their marriage. As a famous celebrity said, there's more than two people in our marriage, there's someone else in our marriage, and she was talking about someone, you know, an affair that was going on. But the wonderful thing about the Christian marriage is it's meant to be a model of the, the, the eternal, immortal, beautiful trinity of the three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But here upon earth... There's the man and his wife and the living God, living in communion together, living in, the, in God's presence together, and uh, living their marriage together. It's, it's a wonderful picture. But what happens, of course, is the devil comes along and says, "Here is the knowledge of true. Uh, 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 here is the, the tree of the knowledge of, of good and evil, and the fruit from it. You will, you will be, you will know good and evil. You will be like God. And in fact, the Hebrew idiom for this tree of the knowledge of good and evil is." It's like when we, when we say something A to Z. Do you know the A to Z of the car mechanics? In other words, you know everything about car mechanics. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil is like the A to Z of human experiences, all the way from good right the way over to evil. Every experience that is possible for a human being to have, you can have it, and you can have it without God. Now think about the boundary they were, they were crossing. I haven't seen it mentioned very often, but actually they stole an apple from that tree. In fact, I've never heard preachers say that. But they stole an apple. They were thieves. They coveted it, and they took it. And together, man and wife agreed. Eve first suggested it, but remember, Adam was meant to be the one that was uh, perhaps uh, giving the giving the lead, and he didn't. And and basically, together they agreed not only to steal that apple, but to eat it. Not only to lust after it, but to steal it. And they thought they were getting to be like God. And actually no. They were getting to be like an animal. They lost their God. Their precious God was, was, was going to grant a, a wonderful dimension to their relationship. And from now on they were to be alienated from him. Cast out of the garden. And now their own human nature was now being corrupted constantly. And their marriages were corrupted. And their relationship together was corrupted. They were disinherited. From the Garden of Eden. This place of... uh, Which would have been a place of superb happiness. Maybe it was a probationary place. Maybe it would moved on to a much wider and more marvelous part of the created world. But they lost it. They lost lost the intimacy of their relationship with God. And they lost the intimacy of their love relationship. Our favorite buzzword of the last 30 years is dysfunctional. Well they had now become a dysfunctional uh, couple. Adam decided to opt for godless experiences in the world... ...and that's what's been happening ever since. A godless experience. And of course, what is sensuality? But a godless experience of of intimacy. What's fornication? It's a godless experience of a relationship... ...that's meant to be one of love and commitment and faithfulness. Praise the Lord. Through his common grace, down the centuries... Millions, billions of people have remained faithful to their partners and been loyal. Even though they haven't been Christians, they've realized how uh, that a bit of heaven has been, has been safeguarded by the two people living together. A bit of happiness, security. am not saying it's perfect, but even in a non-Christian marriage where a couple remain together is, is a great mercy from God. But of course we live in this time when marriage is completely un- in, uh, held in contempt... And sensuality is basically uh, the basis on, which, you know, on which, people, uh, which people live. A sensuality where uh, instead of enjoying the pleasure that God gives in a marriage relationship, it becomes an addiction to the physical only. And I want to finish on this point as my time has definitely gone. I want us to notice this, that Paul talks to those who have, for various reasons, who are Christians... But have become dark walkers. Uh, There's so much more to say about this passage. uh, But uh, I'm going to have to cut it down to. to Just these last few words. And I mean by dark walkers. People walk. They're Christians. They've been saved. God is in their life. But they keep on walking in the darkness. They come back for forgiveness. Yes. But they keep on walking in the dark. And in some cases. They they don't. They don't come back very often to the Lord. For forgiveness. And. But, but paul says to them firstly don't be deceived by empty words they oh no you're okay don't worry and he gives the follow he gives the following he, uh, he gives the following instructions by the way these apply to the covetous of the world and I think it applies to other sins as well but we're concentrating on sensuality at the moment impurity firstly we are To stop sharing in the life of this world. Verse 11. Don't participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness. But instead expose them. Now what does that mean? To expose them? Well it could mean. And uh, uh, perhaps that a person might confess their particular sins to to their Christian friends. James 5.16. Therefore Confess. Your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. And undoubtedly, uh, it is a great thing to be able to share with people you trust who are Christians a particular problem that you may want prayer for. However, this doesn't mean a stream of confessions, of intimate details, of thousands of details of disgusting thoughts you've had, things you've done in the past. And so on, and the reason is quite simple: it will stain those that hear them. If a uh, if a person is, um had a, a very impure and disgusting past, it doesn't actually help to hear in great detail for hours upon hours of those disgusting things. Uh, Paul actually says it's a shame to even speak about them, and so in uh, in in. in Uh, The Ugandan revival, which was a marvellous revival in Uganda um, 80, 90 years ago... there, there, there arose the practice of, of men and women standing up in the church and coming out with all their ter- terrible things that they'd been doing and thinking and, and so on and frankly they had to be put a stop to by the, by the leaders of the revival because it was, it was actually staining the people that were hearing it was, it was leading them into, into all kinds of horrible thoughts and temptations and was, no we've got to stop this just confess your sin you've been impure, fine let's pray about it But the, Bi- but the Bible, I think, is, is more specific than just say, let's, let's pray for someone. It tells us here, Paul says, in verse um, 14, Anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper. Arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Now this person is the one to whom we bring our sins. The Lord Jesus Christ, our great high priest. And yes, we confess our sins to him. We only have to bring them once, but we do bring all of those sins to him. Mental, physical, words, everything to him. To him we may come. To our living God we may come. Submit therefore to God. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Draw near to God, James says, James 4, eight, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be miserable and mourn and weep, Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord, and he will exalt you. Now, if you have a problem in this area, humble yourself before God. Get alone with him and confess your sins to him. Arise. You know, that's what... what... That, you know, don't be paralysed by guilt and fear arise remember the, the prodigal son had a pretty big list of sins he, he'd spent an awful lot of money on prostitutes he'd wasted all of, all of the inheritance he'd lived a disgusting depraved life but then God in his grace allowed this, the, the, this uh, in, the, in the parable but of course in his grace he works in, amongst other, other prodigal lost sons and daughters it suddenly comes to you I'm going to rise and I'm going to go to my father and that's what we need to do Arise and come into the presence of God. God makes us alive, in fact, but it's a bit like when you're ill, which I was ill you know, a few weeks ago. When, when you're ill, you feel ill, you know, for, you know, maybe, I don't know, day after day, week after week, maybe something. In my case, it was a few days. And then suddenly you get up one morning and you go, oh, I actually feel like doing something. And, and, Oh, I'll go out and do some work in the garden. Uh, you know, whereas the previous three days it was always oh, I'm going to go to bed. I'm going to go to bed. And when 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 God make, brings health through the Holy Spirit into someone's heart, they then they want to arise and come to Him. And uh, we know that we are to arise and let Jesus shine on us. Arise from the dead. And Christ will shine on you. Now this shining of Jesus. Is a a wonderful thing isn't it. Jesus spoke to his disciples. And said I am the light of the world. He who follows me. Will not walk in the darkness. but Will have the light of life. We may come and arise. And come to Jesus. Come to our father through our Lord Jesus Christ. And he may. Shine on us. Day by day. Bringing life-giving cleansing into our hearts day by day we can live in christ's world through the bible not not the fantasies other people have the fantasies they will want to give us through 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 the tv or videos or what have you Their they're obnoxious depraved set, sensual fantasies the impurity that spouts out of out of media but we want to live in christ's world while i'm in the world i am the light of the world so Don't enter the dark rooms of other men's imagining. Don't just walk in the dark. Sorry, don't walk in the dark, but not just don't walk in the dark. Don't enter into the imaginations and thoughts of other men. Arise, shine, for your light has come. Isaiah 60 verse 1. And the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness will cover the earth and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will rise upon you and his glory will appear before you. And how wonderful it is, this promise to broken sinners, miserable, empty, guilty sinners, that when we come to Christ, the glory returns to our Christian life. And indeed, nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes round about and see they all gather together, they come to you. Your sons will come from afar and your daughters will be carried in the arms. Then you will see and be radiant. Your heart will thrill and rejoice. The abundance of the seas will be turned to you. The wealth of the nations will come to you. Now, if you want one passage in the Old Testament that permeates, I think, Ephesians, it's Isaiah chapter 60. This abundance, blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. The wealth, the spiritual wealth that that is in, in the Lord, that we may enjoy this as we live for him and as he enables us to live a holy life. Now, may the Lord help us um, to indeed um, day by day have Christ shining in our life and uh, even tomorrow morning we get up and allow the word of God to shine uh, into uh, the depths of our being let's, uh, let's pray oh Father you know how much uh, I need this shining light in my own life all of the time Lord all of us do and Father we pray that we may know uh, your Holy Spirit's guidance and help that we may grow day by day and be thrilled and joyful and glad to be in the kingdom of light and not the kingdom of darkness. And so we pray, Lord, that indeed that you will help us not to be led astray by empty words. But Lord, uh, know uh, that the word of God is our constant meditation. That we will, we, will constant, we will be able to meditate upon your word day and night. And indeed be prosperous in the things of the spirit. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.